This is Sistrionics, where we fight for visibility and the right to occasionally not be the one to clean the toilet. Hi, you look hungry. I am so hungry. Are you hungry? I realised that I have I'm not. Getting a little bit hungry. A bit hungry. Okay, well, well, let's sort that out right now. Mm-hmm. I've not baked for you in a while. Let's just have it out. Why wait till the end? Let's do it right now. This is a surprise. Good. Okay. Very welcome to What have we got? Because I'm a basic bitch. Oh my goodness. We have some. No. Uh, no, uh, it's um, uh, sweet potato salted caramel blondies. Oh, wow. That yeah. sounds healthy. No. Right, tell me more. No, no, no. There's, it shouldn't be. I hope it's not. Mm-hmm. Very chewy. It tastes unhealthy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, I also caught it from my mouth. Thanks, Blondie, for the Blondies. Oh, you're so welcome. Oh, they were good then, weren't they? I was quite pleased with that. So tell me, Pip, how have you been doing? Oh, I've been all right. Um, uh, <laughs> I have to admit, so we have seasonal work, um, you and I, uh, both. I don't know whether you'd noticed. And I uh, am slightly concerned that I might have uh, become a house cat. <laughs> In what um, way? Uh, just, I, you know, sometimes there's just a couple of days or, you know, maybe more days where you don't, you don't work and you have to get into a routine of figuring out maybe some other things that you have to do but sometimes you have these I know I'm not I'm not complaining I um went to see some some girlfriends last night and some of them are very busy and important women you know doing incredible jobs and they uh, they they you know fly all over the world and I'm like I'm just like wow you guys are amazing and and I'm just uh I uh just sat in front of the window for a little bit and then I had a stretch And then I went over to the couch and I lay out there for a little bit. And then I went back to the sunny spot in the window. <laughs> and then this guy fed me and then I went to bed. <laughs> sounds like the life, babe. It sounds like the mm. life. I know exactly what you mean because that was my all my winters yeah. for the last four years, basically, until I had a baby. Yeah, there you go. And went back to uni yeah. as well. Wow. So it's just... It's just the opposite. Yeah. It's just the opposite. But yeah, you're a busy woman. And I guess that's what we're going to be talking about today, isn't it? The lives of women and how care in society is often such an, a, a huge aspect of, of women's existence yeah. and women's life and also women's work. Just the invisibility of it as well. I just think I'm quite staggered by this, actually. And I I know there's a lot of different studies you can see of, you know, different... Um, but I think it must be really difficult to comprehend the hours of work that go into caring for children, caring for the elderly, and on top of that, a lot of emotional labour that goes in there as well, mm-hmm. in supporting other family members, male partners. Um, yeah, a lot of, lot of hours. Yeah, and so what are we actually talking about when we talk about care? We're talking essentially about the stuff that happens outside of the so-called traditional labour market. Um, so the household work, so any kind of housework that, that tends to be done by women, any kind of childcare that tends to be done by women, and also any kind of taking care of elderly people. Especially in the UK, we've seen a huge, massive reduction in the amount of money since the coalition government came into office in 2010. We've seen an absolutely staggering reduction in the amount of money going to social care. Um, which basically just means that that money is now being spent by women taking out hours of their working life in order to care for elderly relatives 
or people who need their help. So yeah, that that work, it's not like someone else isn't paying for it. Someone always pays for social care, whether it's the government as a part of like a general taxation or whether it's women as part of their day and as part of their duties uh, to their to their families. But it's it's something that, you know, if it's not being done by the government, it's being done by someone. Yeah. And that someone usually is a woman. And that someone is either being not paid, so it's totally wageless work, or it's very, very low paid wage work. So as an example, yeah, I'm seeing that currently with my mum taking care of her parents. And well, actually, you know, before my mum really had to, um, was really kind of getting involved in taking her par- care of her parents you know she she was you know visiting them at least once a week you know if not twice before April but in April my grandmother um, became increasingly more ill she's had a problem she's had she's an 84 year old woman who is hard as nails who's had half of her pancreas removed um, and is doing really well <laughs> she's gonna have some chemo um, but all oh, that looks really good and uh, the doctors are just staggered that she's an 84 year old woman she had a 10 hour operation to remove half pancreas and she's yeah fine (laughs) sad it i'm on back on the bus so but before that she was doing quite a lot of care for your grandfather yeah so before that up until that point of april of this year my grandmother was doing the full-time care of my grandfather who has parkinson's disease um and obviously that's a degenerative disease that doesn't get any better and she was yeah she was doing all of it and i don't think any of us realized how much that was um, and what a, a physical toll it had taken on her, um, and also what an emotional and psychological toll it had taken on her. And yeah, to the point where my mum put her foot down and said, you're coming to stay with me now, and care will come in from a different place for my granddad, my mum's dad. And that was in the place of carers and et cetera, et cetera. My mum and dad are very lucky in that they have a very good relationship. They have each other. They're still very happily married um, and they can rely on each other. My dad is retired. They're very lucky in that sense as well. And my dad and my mum for the last, you know, three, four months were full-time carers for my grandmother. Um, and it was difficult. Uh, you know, she needed her bloods taking. My dad got, he's a very, very empirical man, got very good at that. You've got to, you've got to get a pyramid of blood. You've got to get a proper blob of blood. Otherwise you can't get it. Otherwise the, the, the sugar reading won't go through and like all this stuff. And, and they're so lucky because they had each other and the work of two physically fit people, um, you know, yeah, in their, in their early sixties, but my dad runs marathons. So it's not really, you know, physically just exhausted by taking care of, 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 of two elderly people, um, and yeah, and I think about so many people, I think about a friend of mine whose mum had to leave her job to take care of both of her parents and never got back to the same level in her career that she she would have done because she took so much time off raising her daughter as a single mum and then taking care of her parents and then being spat back out into the workplace and not recovering. And and yeah, I just, I just think it always, the book always stops those, doesn't it? The, it there's never, because we've got no one to pass it through to mm. and the book always seems to stop with us and I think I think this is something I think you've mentioned about childcare as well and I think those babies betray us <laughs> because they as lovely as they are um it's yeah there's been this I think it has been traditionally very easy for men to say well listen he doesn't want me he wants you mm. 
Yeah, the, the, the non-negotiable aspect of childcare is, I think, something that sets us up for essentially unpaid or underpaid um, social labour later on. So when I was in that first six months of um, being a mum, I, I often used to talk about this thing, well, the buck stops with me. Um, there is no one left to pass it to. So if I don't sort that problem, that problem's not going to get sorted. So it's non-negotiable that I spend my time sorting out that problem because I can't pass him to anyone else. Now, I was quite conscious of that at the beginning. I'd been made conscious about it um, from other women that I'd spoken to, to basically make my husband, my partner, who's amazing and an incredible man, uh, to make him work on being able to soothe that baby. Because it's not natural for them. It's not like you can just shove a booby in the babe's face yeah, yeah, and then they're yeah. just like, boom, magic, done. Yeah. It takes more work and it takes more, you know, gaining uh, that skill set, which is the same for a woman as well. Like we gain skill sets. And so if you don't do that in the first couple of weeks, they won't learn. And it's just always going to be you that has to soothe that baby, that has to make sure that they're okay because that baby won't be able to be left. If it can't be soothed by someone else, you can't leave it alone. And, and that's utterly exhausting and I think it takes a very conscious remolding of that in order to actually come out with two parents who can successfully soothe and take care of a child it's very conscious and I think if I just let my unconscious roll and just let the unconscious parenting you know take us where it would have led us uh we'd be in a very different circumstance right now um I'm at work I've been at work now for just over a month and um, I take about six hours out of the house about five times a, d a week. Now that is an incredibly privileged position that I can take because the German state pays for my husband to stay at home and take care of my child. Also because I have an incredibly supportive husband who, who is able and willing to do that. Um, and because we spent that time in the first six months really building up that skill set on his side in order to ensure that if I leave the house for a certain amount of time, that baby's going to be super well taken care of. And he is. He's incredibly well taken care of. So that was a very conscious building up of skill set over that six months that has now turned into the fact that I am able to sit here without a baby yes. on my lap sleeping Congrats. like he was before. Yeah. Um, and I can, I can do a podcast and I can go back to work and I can do my master's again. So it's, and I feel, you know, privileged to do that, but we're not like financially taking any other money other than from the government and from my job. So I'm only able to do this essentially because the German government is paying for it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as you've already said, you know, it works pretty slow this time of year. So yeah. it's, it's not yeah. like my solo yeah. income would be able to sustain yeah. us without that money coming from the government. Do you know what I thought was interesting? I was looking that actually, statistically, men who have children are more likely to have higher wages or paid higher. How does that work? Men, just, just to, so apparently statistically, if you look at um, men in higher positions, uh, men get paid higher wages when they have children. And it just makes me think of, yeah, just this is at every level, isn't it? This is at every level. And it's almost like uh, the chicken before the egg, isn't it? What came first, the chicken or the egg? Um, of, you know, us training ourselves as little girls mm. to take care 
and take care of dollies and take care of and I'm not blaming the toys you know it's just one of, of a many faceted and many headed hydra um, uh, that you, we have to sort this out at every level mm. to balance out what it is that we think that men the roles that men and women should be playing in and it starts and it happens yes in the house at a home level also at policy making getting more women making policy you know because you know that I was looking there was a really great resource if anyone's interested called the women's budget group in the UK they were talking about the most recent budget that came out obviously under the we still have a Tory government everyone so <laughs> don't get your hopes so up so don't get your hopes up um but Philip Hammond came out with this fucking you know we're going to be investing in in uh, infrastructure and yeah, we want to fucking invest in infrastructure. Oh, infrastructure gets my dick so hard. Oh, we're going to build bridges. We're going to build roads. Oh, yes. Right then. And then we've got no... And this, this group is talking about social infrastructure and how, you know, we all fucking benefit if, you know, we have more more women do it in work, you know, supported, more, more childcare options, more elderly care options, all these things. And, um, and yeah, just so frustrating that like, again, just they don't, because they don't value this invisible labor because under them, it's always just been done. Because up until recently, relatively recently, and the, you know, the last few decades that we've been talking about equality, obviously I know it goes further back than that, that, we're, that we've been in the workplace. Mm. You know, we've only been in the workplace, uh, uh, you know, or we've only been monetized in the workplace for a long time. We need to recognize that we were contributing to the workplace. It just wasn't monetized in the same way. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it goes back to second wave feminists in the 1970s were talking about wages for housework. And it wasn't necessarily just talking about the fact that you should be paid a wage for housework, but it was talking about the fact that women who are at home doing the household, doing the childcare, are essentially producing a product and that product is productive labor. Mm -hmm. So whether it's, you know, keeping your man happy, sexually, physically, um, household needs, e, or whether it's actually producing that next generation of worker, like they were producing productive labor. And that product was never paid for because that woman was at home and she was always, you know, the, the sort of receiver of resources from her husband or from her partner, rather than actually being able to generate those resources for, for themselves. So they're always kind of like under the thumb of the system, under the thumb of capital, because they're not able to free themselves by themselves. Because if they free themselves, who's going to take care of their children? Mm -hmm. it's, it's impossible for them to get out of this bind. They're just trapped. And... The, the thing that frustrates me is that, you know, I have, you know, this older generation kind of constantly questioning me, for instance, at tours. Okay, so you're here and, you know, I talk about my baby at every juncture. You know, we're sitting on a tour and someone's talking about Hitler. We know. <laughs> you have a baby. Like, you have a husband. Oh, um, you know, did Hitler have any kids? Uh, P.S. No. But I'm just like, <laughs> no, but I do. And so I'm just like, you know, I'm bringing him up in conversation like, or, like whenever I can. But I can't stop thinking about him. It's just so amazing. And the question that I often get asked, especially by an older generation, is, oh, so where is he? And I'm like, where do you think he is? Like, what is the most rational conclusion to that answer? But they take so long to get there. <laughs> They're like, um, is he with his grandma? No. no. Is he with the childcare? No. Is he with... He's with his dad! <laughs> and it's not even just the tourists. Like, my, my, my dad was here a couple of weeks ago and he was visiting... 
And, uh, you know, we had a great time together, but watching me go through pregnancy and childbirth and now childcare is literally shaking everything he knows to be real and true. And like, luckily for me, we don't live in the same country. So he's not sort of, I mean, I love him so much. He's such an amazing guy, but he's very stuck in his ways about a lot of things. And um, so for instance, when we were talking about you know, Dom being at home with the with um with Yannick, um, my dad was like, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, I get that he does, I get it, he does the childcare, but what else does he do? <laughs> and I was like, it's a full time job. It's a full time yeah. job. You know, as soon as you do childcare for a whole day, you realize it's a full time job. You don't do anything else. If you get an hour and a half break because they're sleeping, you use that time to do the washing, to do the cleaning up, to make sure that the next, you know, meal is ready for him or something like that. You've always got stuff to do. It's constant, it's exhausting. It's, it's every minute of every day is taken up with some kind of childcare. And so I was like, he doesn't have time to do anything else. He just does childcare. And my dad, his mind was blown. You know, he can't, he can't understand that. So it, it, it's, it's not just the fact that our governments don't provide childcare services. It's also the fact that uh, that older generation or, or just generally people find it very difficult to see a man at home with a child. And they find it also unfair that he's being made to do that, mm. you know? Whereas for me, oh, it's okay, it's fine. So listen, you know, we're talking about this very broadly. My dad took care of his mother before she died a couple of years ago. He was, and my mum did as well, but he had a full-time job and he did a huge amount of care for my grandmother. So, you know, we we do do know that we're, you know, talking with like variables here as well. But my my dad has been very, very hands-on with the care of my grandmother at the moment. And my grand just keeps saying to my mum, God, he's amazing. Isn't he amazing? And she says to my mum that she's amazing as well because my mum is incredible and has been dealing with the brunt of the emotional labour and also, let's face it, the kind of trauma of seeing you, you know, your parents age and, and being the one to kind of be there and take care of that, which, you know, her brothers who live down south have not had the, are not in the proximity to do and it falls, so it falls to her. Um... And yeah, it's just it's just so funny how my grandmother's like, my God. And I remember she would talk about cousins and their partners and oh, he's very good with the baby. He's very good. He changes, changes nappies and mm. everything. And you think, my God, what did you have to go through with those men of that generation? And actually I find that that generation has a really internalized sexism. And they're like, you know, my grandmother's very anti-feminist movement, you know, very, very anti a lot of these ideas about, well, we just, you just have to get on with it. And I can't unpack that. I find it really difficult to unpack because I'm like, listen, we're trying to make it better for our daughters. You know, we're trying to make it better for ourselves. And, you know, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry that you had to live, you know, with these horror stories mm. of, oh, he gave me this much money and I had to feed a family of five of us and then he went to the pub and smoked. And that's the story you get time in, time out of that generation. Mm. Yeah, and the currency that used to be used to pay women for their work in the household was love. And I think also, like, but, you know, love was used as an oppressive tool in a way. You know, if 
you're not a good mother if you don't do this, that, and the other. And I think that that's why, like, I felt so much more vulnerable since I became a mum. Like, so much more vilified for the tiniest thing, you know? If I can't get my kid to sleep at a certain time, like, I can see the older mums in the room being like, oh, well, it's just because she's not doing this and she's not doing this and she's not doing this, you know? And, like, if you talk to any mum, they will say they've never been more judged in their entire life because you only hear when stuff goes well because you don't want to admit all the difficulties. You only admit that to another person who's going through that exact same time because in five years, I'll forget how difficult it is to take care of a seven-month-old baby and I'll just be like... (laughs) we had him on a sleep schedule within about three months of him being alive. I won't remember that we didn't sleep through the night for the first year. You know, I just won't remember that. And perhaps I'll vilify the next generation of mums to come after me, you know? And, And I, but I think it's this constant sense of like, the mums carry so much, the weight of the responsibility of that child, the weight of the responsibility of that childcare and that like maintenance of the household maintenance of the home is on their shoulders you go back to work but you better as hell have made sure that at home everything is just as it would be if you were there if not better and that's why the question always comes up with women in politics how are you balancing and women in 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 ceo positions and with careers how do you balance work life how do you balance work life and home life which doesn't get asked of men but what do you mean when you say with the i think that's really interesting the idea of like the that it was love that was that was their reward you mean love love of the family yeah like love but this kind of sense of like this is what you get in return you get like like humans that you've produced who you love more than anything else and you would do anything for them because that's your biological response you know yeah yeah like but that love isn't enough to stop you from going mad Mm. and I think that that's that's the real clincher here is like love at what cost yeah you know love from your children towards you love from your partner towards you even though that often degrades as a result of unfair treatment inside of the household so like that love that you get from your children that was the currency you were paid in Mm. and that love that you have for your children that's the currency Mm. that you still get paid in essentially um but it's not enough it's it's at what cost it's not enough to stop you feeling as if things could be different and as if you could be more valued because i think what's really missing in a lot of these more basic discussions is the fact that the wage a wage isn't just a, a some money it's also a way to a, like you know say what your social standing is in society it's a way to kind of demarcate yourself as being such and such a person in society it's it's essentially your tool of worth in society and I disagree with that fundamentally I disagree with the idea of wages being somehow a testament to who you are as a person like I'm a, I'm a deep and avowed socialist and I think that we should have better mechanisms for appraising people in society than how much they earn but the fact is we don't live in my socialist utopia we live in the capitalist world that essentially gives us wages and tells us this is how much you are worth mm. if you do not give someone a wage and instead let them do totally wageless work as soon as they give birth for the rest of their lives. And when they enter into the workplace again, maybe after a number of years out of the workplace, you give them very much lower than what they would have been on had they never left the workplace. You're basically saying something to them. You're saying you are less valuable 
far, far less valuable than that other person who didn't take time out to do childcare and who doesn't do childcare at home. And I don't think that that's a good way to reward people in society. I, ju- I think that the whole system should be overturned. So yeah, I'm looking at this, um, as I said, this quite excellent uh, resource, the Women's Budget Group. They um, had a podcast which was from a group called the Progressive, Progressive Economic Forum. Uh, which I was listening to and there was an interview with a woman uh, who was a professor of economics at the Open University and she was talking about this most recent recent budget and gender. So this is, so starting at the top, and this is what I meant before talking about kind of chicken and the egg. So, you know, this has to be at the top in the recognition of lawmakers and policymakers. Best way to get lawmakers and policymakers to recognise uh, invisible labour. What would the best? What would? What do you reckon? What do you think? It's fucking electing, yeah, electing women. women into those positions who recognise that and who too PC politically too, correct. Yeah, like bloody doctor. Well, I can't do it because they've never fucking done it. Yes. So and then yet. Yeah, I think just de-weaponizing this like capitalist monster, which is just, yeah, as you say, you know, you don't make money, you're not fucking worth anything. So yeah, having women making these policies uh, and these laws, um, having men recognize those things and having men in the home recognize how important this is. Also the recognition I really feel of emotional labor as well. Mm. How many times, I said this to um, my girlfriends last night saying, you know, when someone needs to bring in the birthday cake for Linda, Mm-hmm. But it's Linda's birthday tomorrow. Oh, fucking hell, it's Linda's birthday. Oh, shit. I'll bake something. I'll make something for Linda. Um, I do it myself. I bake for my... I just bake for you, you ungrateful cow. Uh, no, but, like, we're... I'm, you know, going to take some of these baked goods to my colleagues. It's not something... I'm not doing it, you know. I just do it because... I, I don't know, because I've been fucking programmed. <laughs> I don't know. I just... I've just... You know, but it is something that I recognise through. It's like, oh, maybe... Maybe I need to stop. Maybe I need to, maybe it's like, oh, that's a way to make sure. Do you know what? I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I've been thinking about it a lot because I don't think the answer to whatever wave of feminism we are in now is to stop doing that emotional labor. No, you're right. You're right. It's to teach people exactly. to be aware of it. And it's to teach people also that they can do some as well. Mm. Because I think if we all just turn it off, we're going to live in a nastier world. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, we do emotional labor and I have, I have sought emotional labor from my female network and also my male network as well my family my brothers my father since i've had yannick i have sought the emotional label of others more than i think i ever have in my life constantly calling people this is what's going on what do you think and i you you have to distribute it right because you can't focus it on one person you can't expect your partner to do all the emotional label to keep you sane because they'll just go crazy so you distribute it and i have been getting so much emotional labor from both the men and but mostly the women in my life um helping me through this massive transition that i'm going through which is you know pregnancy birth and now motherhood and i've never needed it more and i've never got more and and that is obviously going to be given back at some point to someone else so i don't think we should turn off our emotional labor like we shouldn't but we should make everyone else more aware of it and also try to inspire people to do it themselves I, I, it's, it's just an exercise yeah, in empathy yeah, isn't exactly it? i go through this little dance in my head of i think and i think we do this we've done this since we've been having 
very wide scale feminist discussions and that was something that you you know is like oh they're trying to be men you know for example when women are told in the boardroom oh you know don't say I think you should be saying well this is the projection and we should be doing this Mm. no I actually think it's a good thing to say I think I think we should do this I've thought about it this is from my perspective and I recognize there are other perspectives and just enough with the the just very masculine kind of you know toxic like oh well you know no 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 you step on whoever's face you have to step on yeah. to get yourself higher and higher and um uh, there was an interesting uh, oh Natalie Portman recently did you see her did I send you a video no. Natalie Portman gave this really brilliant speech at I think it was some kind of luncheon and it was to do with the Times Up Foundation mm. and the the funding providing funding for women uh, you know in, in horrible situations where they need to sue Harvey Weinstein <laughs> or, or whoever um, and um, she said at the end she was like talking about mammals and how mammals get their name from breasts from mammary glands from our breasts and she said because women know the secret that if you you know the more milk you give the more you make and mm. I thought that was brilliant That's I thought that was a, but such that. a beautiful way of framing <laughs> the way we need to move forward the yeah. more milk you give the more you make and it's for so long it has been this very patriarchal system of no no me and mine and sorry, nothing else. And, you know, yeah, like, and again, it's not, this is not a man bashing thing. This is just, you know, we need a gendering, a change of the gendering of society, mm. basically. And my, and that's yeah. why I still believe that the future of the women, the future of the left is is female. Absolutely. And, you know, and she was talking, and I just thought that was so brilliant, you know, the more milk you give, the more milk you make. And also the idea of fire, you know, your torch. When you light someone's torch, it doesn't go out it spreads and then that person can light six more torches or 20 more torches and that's it and that's how we need to be looking and we need to be positive about it and it but this does have to happen everywhere it has to happen at every level of society mm-hmm. and as you say not getting by not turning off that emotional labor but teaching it to boys and girls yeah. from a young age yeah. and everyone absolutely words to live by words to, natalie portman natalie <laughs> I was I was in tears. <laughs> That's a breastfeeding moment. I find that really yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I thought so. I I mean, as a non-breastfeeding, I was just I was sat there just touching myself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you were doing it when you were talking as well. She was like, clasping at her breasts. <laughs> oh, well, These sources of nourishment. Particularly magnificent today. <laughs> um, we've got the good, visual got nourishment. Got the good bra on. Um, the good bra underneath a rather baggy shirt. I know. So. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna cinch this in a bit. All right, so, okay. Yeah. Oh, don't okay. worry. They'll <laughs> get a look in. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, keep keep going, keep slogging. We got anything else to say? Um, keep slogging on. Yeah. See you next time. Yeah. <laughs> on a final note, I wanted to congrat our friends over the pond in the midterm elections. Like, good. I mean, not everything we hope for but definitely like progress listen it could have been worse loads of women yeah loads, loads of women, women. Loads of um women. what was it 19 judges 19 black women were elected yeah. as judges in, yeah. in texas yes uh fantastic Stacey. all of them all of those that ran all of them that yeah. ran yeah got it amazing yeah it turns out 
they've done studies now um, based on all of these that basically women win as many times as men. It's just we don't apply. So words to live by, guys. Live just by. Yeah. send in the application. Do you know, form. we could we could come out of this so much better, couldn't we? You I know, think so. We could. I know. I know it's dark everywhere, <laughs> but it's always darkest before the dawn. I uh, yeah. It's always darkest before the dawn. I like that. Um, all right, guys. So that is our episode for today. Um, so before we go, please do follow us on Instagram. Please do follow us on Facebook. Please do follow us on Twitter. And also uh, like and subscribe. And if you want to, you can give us a really nice rating. Five stars. Only five stars. Because let's face it, we're five stars. Five star material. If you want to, and just if you're awake. You could give us a five star rating. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really care if you want to. Just do it. So we're on iTunes, we're on SoundCloud, we're on Stitcher. Uh, yeah, go for it. Go for it and listen. And please tell other people. That would be great. Um, I uh, it was Somebody told me recently that they told other people. That's the best way, to be honest. Because you know what you like. You know what your friends like. Let's, let's, let's get on this. We love you. This has been Sistrionics. Sistrionics.